In every generation, there are the chosen ones, the fanboys, the observers, the keepers of useless trivia. They alone must stand against the forces of television drama tropes. They are continuous play. Oh, come on. Stake through the heart, a little sunlight. It's like falling off a log. Welcome to Continuous Plays, The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective featuring Brian Thomas. Don't make fun. I worked long and hard to get this promise. And Jay Newcastle. Just because this is never going to work, there's no need to be negative. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to the Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 17, Passion, written by Ty King. Angelus's terror campaign against Buffy and the gang escalates to a new level, going as far as to sneak in and watch her sleep at night and leave drawings of the scene for her in the morning. Angelus is still getting under Spike's wheels with his obvious flirtation with Drusilla. Buffy confides in Joyce that Angel has changed since they stopped dating, but doesn't tell her that they've slept together, merely saying, if he comes around, don't let him in the house. Angelus confronts Joyce and reveals to her that he and Buffy made love, which catches her completely off guard. However, he does not know that Buffy and company have revoked his invitation to the Summer's house using a spell which thwarts his attack on Joyce. Meanwhile, Jenny Callender has successfully translated the spell to restore Angelus' soul, but Drew foresees this and passes the information along to him. He confronts her at the school, destroys the orb of Thessala that was to contain his soul, and kills Jenny by breaking her neck, not even bothering to feed in the process. He leaves her dead body in Giles' apartment, and when Giles returns home, he sees what he thinks are love notes from her leading him to the bedroom where he discovers the macabre scene. Buffy races to intercept Giles because she knows he'll go after Angelus and die if she doesn't stop him. Giles briefly gets the upper hand on Angelus, but the vampire's strength is too great, and soon Giles is in mortal danger. Buffy intervenes and rescues Giles while Angelus escapes. And in the end, we see the group trying to come to grips with Jenny's death, and we see the disc she saved the spell on fall between a crack in the discs. And that is the plot summary for passion. So, Brian, I just want to ask you one quick question. Are you passionate about passion? I am very passionate about passions. Oh, it's so lovely. I, this is a gem all the way. Yeah, this is one of, of, if not the best episode to date on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's so much that goes on in this, so much as far as plot development goes, and also so much as far as uh, things you didn't see coming happening in this episode. Just really well written, well executed as well. This is a, a great episode. But beyond being dense with a lot of good material, and I agree with you that it is, it's just good in its own right. It's just well 
thought out, it's well paced, and it's well directed. We should mention the director of this, Michael Gershman, was a longtime director of cinematography on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, and worked on Buffy for years and years and years. And so he, I mean, he is a guy that getting his first shot to direct an episode did a great job. And Ty King wrote Some Assembly Required. So it, this is his second episode in the Buffy uh, lore. And I must say, this is a much better job than what he did with Some Assembly Required. Oh, oh, yeah, that goes without saying. Good grief. That, that, I've stricken that episode from my mind. How dare you bring it back up <laughs> and make, make me remember the tales of Daryl Epps. But, but we, we're talking about passion tonight, and from the opening gate, this thing hooks you. Yeah, I absolutely love how they they started this episode off. The whole thing with Angelus uh, giving a little speech or dictation on what passion is and how it rules our lives and showing scenes of of the gang doing their normal activities, and he's basically watching or lurking in the shadows as they're doing these things, planning his next move. And this whole thing with his monologue at the beginning, is it just really sets the stage and the tone for this episode, and it was just really well done. And the the theme of this from Brian is, I mean, it, we could say, duh, it's about passion, and that is a, the overriding sort of boundary they're in. But I think Giles calls it out outside that opening in the library. It's all about battle strategy. Angelus is trying to throw Buffy off her game by playing with her emotions in a real sadistic way. I mean, do you agree? Uh, absolutely. This is a lot about that because he's really stepping up his game in this one, and they're saying they're showing you how it affects Buffy's ability to do what she needs to do. You know, she's got an emotional tie to him, and he's playing off that quite well to try and weaken her. Well, and the emotional tie is he still believes, or maybe he even knows that. She, while she knows he's the enemy, she's not ready to kill him. And he mm -hmm. is using that to his advantage. And they talk about that in this show because the larger metaphor is all about growing up and getting ready to transition from being a teenager to a young adult. You got to, you know, like to learn how to manage your emotions, your passions, if you will, and not let them uh, be used against us to toy with us and learn how to block out the negative emotional influence in our lives. And part of that is coming to grips with what, what you have to do battle with, right? That's absolutely what this is about. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's done, you know, remarkably well. You get a sense that at the beginning of this episode, Buffy's very, very reluctant still. But at the end of this episode, you know, Xander calls her out, basically calls the whole group out saying, we're being sissies here. And that's when everyone, that's, it's it. Everyone's oh, yeah. in at that point. And so on, and that's a good way to start talking about the the different people and the what they're doing in this episode. We really don't get a lot of new characters, Brian. There's the one guy that's the shop owner, but he's not really worth remembering or talking about. Let's talk about Xander to start with in this episode. He's, you know, we've talked about Xander sort of growing up slowly but surely and becoming more of a real confident man, if you will. And he shows it in this episode. That scene in particular is is one where he really just calls everybody out like Buffy, you know, you this is the guy that's killing everybody and you, you gotta do something about this. Or, you know, I have been on all what does he say? I've I've been on the kill angel train for a lot longer than any of you. Yeah, it's a really good scene because everyone else is kind of, you know, kowtowing around the fact that Buffy still has these uh, mixed emotions on what she has to do with Angel, and they're protecting her. And finally, someone has the, the gall to basically say, look, 
We need to be more aggressive. We need to go out there and we need to kill this guy, plain and simple. And I'm sick of us just sitting here ninny-witting around doing nothing here. We need to go out and get him. And everyone is shocked by this, by his his saying this to Buffy, except for Buffy, who says, you know what, you're right. Yeah, everyone except Buffy. We'll get to her reaction in a minute. But I think that's a real neat dichotomy of the the, the roles that he plays and the role Willow plays in her life as the two closest confidants. Mm-hmm. You know, Xander is the let's go to battle, let's get it done. And Willow's the emotional support because Willow's there when Angels or Angelus has dropped the whole, you know, I haven't been able to sleep since we made love on Joyce, you know, and she, Joyce and Buffy are having that talk and Willow you know, Giles comes over and she's just like, what, what are you going to say, Giles? You know, go away. Let, let girl time, you know? And that's yeah. what Willow is, though. Willow is that, that girlfriend who's there with you to the end, crown your shoulder. Xander's the guy you can lean on and who's going to ultimately call you out. And that's what Buffy needs in her life. And that's a real maturation for Xander's character and for Willow's, too. We've seen Willow's come to fruition a little bit earlier, but Xander's has been a little quicker in the last few episodes, I think. And I like it. I, I think it, it really gives some levity to those characters and it gives them some real balance on the show. I agree. I think it's a, a great move, uh, put, putting Xander in this situation because, you know, from here forward, Xander's going to be a big part of the let's go to battle. I'm here for you. You know, if you need me, just give me a call, uh, for the rest of this season in the next season as well. And this is the start of it. Uh, we get another great line in the next episode, which we'll talk about later, but, uh, yeah, Xander's really coming into his own here and, and kind of taking almost a, an advisory slash leadership role in the group. Yeah, he's he's the lieutenant now, you know, uh, even informally. I mean, he's he's called into this and he's a big part of the the battle when they go. I mean, you know, there's never anywhere there when they're riding out that he's not there. And I like mm-hmm. that. So we, we talked about we talked about Willow briefly. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about her. She gets to play some new roles, too, because she's the most mature of any of these kids. I think we agree with that. And Miss Calendar asked her to fill in in her class. Now, I don't know about you, Brian, but I never knew of a high school teacher that would ask any student, no matter how bright they were, <laughs> to fill in for class. But for Willow, I buy it. I can buy that as her character, that she would be smart enough and confident enough, and that Miss Calendar would have that much confidence in her to, to give her that responsibility. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know if Willow's even confident enough to do it. She's She's kind of a little worried about what, what she has to do, if she can do it or not. And that's fine. But yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a student asked to teach a class while a teacher was out for a little bit. But I agree with you. In this case, yeah, Willow, it makes sense. She's a computer nerd. She's smart, probably the smartest kid in the class. And I can see a teacher, especially when she's doing something that isn't I guess you would call an appropriate reason to be gone from teaching your class. So I can see yeah. that. Uh, I can see why she would do that. Yeah, yeah, and that that's certainly part of it because she's out trying to gather the last information. Jenny, we're talking about, is out trying to gather the last information about uh, the spell to restore Angelus' soul, and she's got to go by the Orb of Thessalus. I, I want to say one thing about Willow, though. I, I did think she had one of the, the probably the funniest line in the whole episode. This episode's pretty deep and dark for the most part. There's not a ton of humor, but she shows up and Miss Calendar's at school, and she's like, five hours of lesson planning down the drain. You know, only yeah, Willow yeah. would say that, and it was, I, I, I thought it was really funny. That was a good line too. And I like it when they're at the house, uh, getting ready to do the uninviting 
spell that they cast to get Angel out. They're and they're at Willow's house, and she's nailing a crucifix to her wall. And as we know, Willow is of Jewish descent, and a crucifix means nothing uh, to the to the Jewish uh, religion as far as a religious symbol goes. And she puts a line on saying. Gosh, I hope my dad doesn't, you know, find out about this crucifix. I'll, I'll be in trouble. You know, the one Rosenberg who's got a crucifix hanging from her wall. I thought that was a hilarious uh, bit, too, from her. It is, and it's something they keep paying off with her as a character. They they will drop that in subsequent seasons, but for now, that's still part of her identity, and they're, they're playing with it, and I did like it. It's, it's really good. I think Willow, too, has... She is the most immediately emotional typical teenage reaction when she finds out Jenny's dead. You know, they get the phone call from Giles and Buffy, you know, is just stunned and she hands the phone to, to Willow and Willow just loses it, you know, and yeah. Giles, and Joyce has to come over there and, and grab her. And I, I like that though, because it, you know, as we, we talk about Willow sometimes like she's this super smart, grown up, mature girl, but things like that can still affect her. And I thought she played that. Allison Hannigan played that really well. Yeah, and it makes the it makes the most sense for Willow to do that too, because Willow had the most, uh, other than Giles, the most um, complete relationship with Jenny of the whole group. You saw that she was still talking to Jenny when the rest of the group was not, um, and you know it was over class things and everything else. But you could see that she still has something, uh, some friendship feelings towards Jenny. And uh, so her reaction is perfect for Willow because Willow ha- was the closest of the group besides Giles, of course, to Jenny Calendar. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about it like that, Brian, that, that she would have been the closest to her. But that makes total sense now. And then and haven't looked at it again when hearing you say it. So, yeah, I, I agree. It was a great moment. And, and you know, we were talking about Jenny. And obviously, mm-hmm. we've, we've, we've let the cat out of the bag here. And, you know, Jenny does, you know not survive this episode, which is a shocker in in a sense. But let's talk about Jenny because it's real. This is real interesting episode. They really tug at your, your heartstrings in this episode with Jenny, because uh, we first see obviously her talking to Willow about teaching the class. She's going to be out and, and Giles comes in and sees this. And, you know, Willow says, Oh, I have to talk to her. She's a teacher, blah, blah, blah. And then we get the first real good interaction between Giles and Jenny since the whole thing went down with finding out that she was part of the group that was responsible for Angel and what he had become. I know you feel betrayed. Yes, well, that's one of the unpleasant side effects of betrayal. Rupert, I was raised by the people that Angel hurt the most. My duty to them was the first thing I was ever taught. I didn't come here to hurt anyone. And I lied to you because I thought it was the right thing to do. I I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know I was going to fall in love with you. It's too late to take that back. Do you want to? I just want to be right with you. I don't expect more. I just want so badly to make all this up to you. I understand. But I'm not the one you need to make it up to. And it was really touching to see because Giles and and Jenny were on the verge of, of mending things. They had finally reached out to each other. They'd finally talked to each other. And, you know, she's she's trying to apologize. And, and Giles, you know, is accepting this. And she basically tells Giles, you know, he, the truth of the matter is, is that my duty to the, to my people comes first. And that's why I was here. And that's why I did what I did. 
And I love how he his response is, I understand that I know that, but I'm not the one you need to apologize to now. It, right. It's about you need to mend the fence with Buffy. And I thought she, she and Buffy had a great scene later on. Buffy comes up to her at the beginning of the school and says, you know, basically, look, we, uh, you and I are not are not friends, are not going to be, but we're cool, we're fine, because I don't want you to stay away from Giles just because you're trying to, you know, stay away from me. You, right. you know, be with him. That makes him happy. I don't like seeing people lonely, but you and I are done. And, and that's it. And I like that though. It's, it, it's, it's mature for Buffy, but I like her reaction to it is that she's sort of like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll play that. And, but Jenny's still though, still to the bitter end, Brian is still holding stuff back from everybody. Cause what does she yeah. tell, you know, she doesn't tell Giles, I've figured out the spell. I'm going to go buy an orb of Tesla and we're going to go do this tonight. Who knows? Maybe he has one sitting in the back. You know, yeah, I mean, why yeah. would he not? He's a watcher. But the fact that she, it, for some reason, I think it's a big part of her character there, too. Well, I, I, we know the reason. It's because she's loyal to that tribe over everything else. That reason causes, in, in an indirect way, her death. She won't let him in the whole way. She doesn't tell him everything, and therefore she puts herself in danger, and uh, we know how it ends. You know, Angelus kills her. And I, I think that is... It's smart writing. It's a good way to tie up a, a character that, you know, Ty King had no part in creating Jenny Callender, but right. he was given the task to bring about her demise. And I, it's just, it's a sign of really good writing of understanding how to take something that someone's filtering, that's filtered, their entire character is filtered through and use it even as part of their demise. I, I, is that making sense? Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. And it was just really, really well done. I mean, you, you got invested in the fact that Jenny and Giles were on the mend and they were going to get back together. You find out that Jenny's working on a computer program that will translate the ritual. Obviously, they lost most of the text, but she's working on this program that will take part of the text and translate it all out. And then just as she gets the text all figured out, saves it to the disk, and then goes and starts printing it, she notices there's Angel in the corner, and that's when all hell breaks loose and, and, and Jenny's gone. And it's it was a shocker because you at the beginning of this episode you're thinking, Oh good, Giles and Jenny are getting back together, this is great and at the end of the episode you're just heartbroken because Jenny's now gone. Yeah, and not not gone in the way that you think she could ever come back. And Josh talks about that in one of the the interviews on the on the DVD discs is that we wanted to kill her in a way that you knew she would never come back. It, right. You couldn't bite her because the, you know you might she might become a vampire or, or people might think that. No, he had to do something to kill her, and breaking her neck was just like I'm not even going to bother to feed. And I think that's interesting because Angelus drops that line about I need to work up an appetite first while she's running away from him, and then when he catches her, he's like Nah. Never mind. Boom. And just breaks yeah. her neck. Never get tired of it. And you see her drop. And I'll tell you this, too. And, and nothing against Rabila Mordo, who's a, a decent actress and has done well in this show. The best piece of acting she did is the look on her face when she's laying in Giles' bed and he discovers her in that bedroom. It's it's like she stared at him and she's staring through him. It's creepy. Yeah, it is very creepy. And like you said, I liked how they did it, doing the snapping of the neck versus the, the vampire biting, draining the blood thing it was just really smart way to do it and then the whole scene where giles is set up at his apartment that was oh i know that uh, is the most powerful scene i think in this whole episode and and you get to, you know again we've seen sides of giles through this season that we didn't know existed right i mean he can be a real 
rough dude because we've seen what his magic can do. And, and he can also be pretty stern and he can play hurt. And he kind of goes through the gamut of emotions. You know, he's kind of hurt and he's trying to tell Jenny, yeah, let's get back together. And he's, you know, doing all that. And then he sees uh, Buffy needs him a lot and Giles is best when he, he feels like Buffy needs him. So he's trying to come up with a spell to, you know, uh, uh, revoke the vampire invitation and all that stuff. He's busy the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell, you know, when she tells him, meet me, you know, later and I'll tell you, you know, what my, my latest thing and, uh, or Jenny tells him that and he's like, yeah, come to my place. And then he comes home and he's like, sees the bottle of wine and there's the, you know, the opera going on, all these candles and he sees that little note that says upstairs and he's yeah. like, oh yeah, you know, I mean, he, you know, he realizes what's about to go down, right? And then the, the look on his face as he walks through that bedroom door and it's a look of terror and complete and utter sadness at the same yep. time. And like I said, that that is by far, I think, the most powerful scene in this whole episode. You go from a guy who's in complete state of nirvana to all of a sudden realizing what has happened, dropping the glass, breaking the glass, and just completely falling apart. Just unbelievably well done by Anthony Stewart Head, well written. It was, it was great. Oh, it was perfect. And then he has a great moment at the end with Buffy when she drags him out of that burning building. Why did you come here? This wasn't your fight. Are you trying to get yourself killed? You can't leave me. I can't do this alone. And then they both just break down together, and it was... It's so... Oh, I, well, you know what it does, Brian? It plays with our passions. I mean, Absolutely. it really does. It really does. And it's, it's, uh, it's just so good. It's, it's very good. And there's, there's nothing about what happens over the arc of these 43 minutes that is slow at all. I mean, we're talking about this and I mean, this could have been a two hour movie and they cram a lot in the 43 minutes of this show. And Giles's arc is probably the widest stretching one. I mean, he goes from, kind of hurt to complete happiness. I mean, he's he's about to, you know, Miss Calendar's pretty smoking, you know, say, you know, the librarian don't get that kind of place. So he's happy about that too. You just killed my girl. And he knows exactly what happened. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no doubt in his mind to then revenge to then dealing with that loss and having to continue to deal with that loss and realize that his charge is, is partially responsible for this. And also to have her confide in him and tell him that at that graveside with, with Jenny at the end. I love that scene between he and Buffy. In my years as watcher, I've buried too many people. But Jenny was the first I've loved. I'm sorry. Sorry I couldn't kill him for you. For her. When I had the chance. I wasn't ready, but I think I finally am. And it's it's just such a good character moment for them. And I mean, we've talked about her enough. I guess we need to talk about Buffy here a little bit. Uh, you know, Buffy goes through a good bit of uh, changes too here, Brian. I mean, she gets to admit to her mom that she slept with a guy. That's uh, <laughs> that's kind of a big deal. That's a good scene too. I, I like the whole scene with Joyce and Buffy doing that because neither of them feels comfortable talking about it. And you no. can totally tell. And then at the end, when it's all done, Joyce all of a sudden go, gets all relieved and says, well, I, I guess I did it. That was the talk. And Buffy says, how did it go? She goes, 
I don't know, I think it went pretty well. <laughs> and it was just a great scene between those two. And, you know, it's a very uncomfortable thing to admit that you've made a mistake like that. And Buffy does admit that she made a mistake. And, and Joyce obviously is angry about it because she wants Buffy to be able to tell her these kind of things. And, and, and you know, as a teenager, that's not something you want to tell your fa- your folks. No, and beyond that, I mean, she says, Buffy, I'm, I'm more upset that you didn't exercise better judgment. It goes back to the bizarre demon thing, right? You're not ready for this kind of responsibility, right? I mean, that's been a theme the whole season. And it, Buffy's not, you know, because yeah. she's made that mistake. But she's willing to admit it. And, they, you know, they set all that up earlier, though, because they're sitting at dinner and Joyce can tell something's wrong with her. And she tells her, eh, I kind of dated this angel guy, but he's gone a little creepy since, you know, not telling her everything. And she's going, well, something happened? No, 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 you know, and. I think Joyce even there knows I'm not getting the whole story, but I'll take what I can get because my teenage daughter's confiding in me. Yeah. And then they have that moment where, you know, where everything comes out. And I thought it was played really well, too. I mean, it could have been, you know, Joyce could have gone back to her darn parenting books again. You know, we, we could have had that, but we, we didn't, thank goodness. But yeah, I thought it was, I thought that they had a good scene together. You, you called it out when we talked about Xander, Brian. Buffy realizes what she's got to do. And I think fully accepts it this time. You know, the, I think there's been a two or three moments in this show so far since Angel turned that she's like, hey, I'm going to have to kill him. I'm going to have to kill him. Mm-hmm. But now it's, it's sure. I, I'm going to have to take him out. Yep. And she, she's all of a sudden realized definitively that her mission is to get rid of Angelus. That whatever she has to do, she has to kill him. And no matter what feelings she's had for him in the past, she needs to put them aside because he's not that person anymore. He is now Angelus. He's not Angel. It's time to destroy Angelus once and for all. Yeah. And well, I think I, I said it before, her and Giles there, that, she has that great line with him. You can't leave me. I can't do this alone. You know, we've talked yeah. about before, the thing that separates Buffy's Slayer run from previous Slayers is that she has a... For lack of a better say, she's got tag team partners, right? Yep. And and this is her, you know, we talked about how important Xander and Willow are in her life, but in a fight, you, you got to have Giles. He's the brains of the operation completely. And well, he's she, got the knowledge, yeah. Yeah, and she knows he can't be reckless because she knows she's reckless, you know, and she needs him to calm down and we'll figure it out. This sucks, I know, but we're we're going to get there. I think because Buffy has been through a lot of loss and pain already. I mean, she's been dead already on the show, right? Yep. She's the only person that can say that to him. Because if Willow says that to him or Xander or anybody else, he's going to blow them off completely. But she says it, and it brings him to tears. And I, I, I thought that was so great and was played really well, too. Sarah Michelle Gellar really played that, played that well. And it just shows the dynamic that her and Giles have with each other. We talk a lot about the, the father daughter type dynamic as well as the leader versus yeah. in charge dynamic that they have. It's a, just, just a wonderful dynamic that they have with each other. There are times when it's watcher slayer. There are times when it, when it's almost father daughter. And this is one of those times where it's, it's more like father daughter. Uh, you know, I need you by my side. I need you to go to battle with me. I, I can't do this without your help. And it's, it's really touching and it's beautiful. And it's a good way to end uh, what really turns out to be a very sad episode. I agree. I mean, this is, this is about the lowest of the lows that we've been through the, on this show uh, up to this point. I mean, we've never had a major character die, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, I, you know, we had Buffy sort of die to the master, but none of us really thought that was the end, right? I mean, you, you knew something was going to bring her back. Yeah. The, 
none of the core group, and even the core group and the extended core, if you want to call Jenny and that extended core, have ever been in complete mortal danger to a way that you realized that they, you didn't think they were going to make it out of it. And then all of a sudden, she's gone. And I mean, Brian, she's gone like that. Yeah. And it's just, oh, and, you know, not to be too crass about it, that's how it is in real life, too, right? Yeah. When someone's yeah. gone, they're gone. And especially, you know, if you've ever lost anyone close to you and it was sudden, it, it's this complete shock to the system. And everybody at the end of this episode looks like they're in shock, which is w- where they are. Which is is completely uh, true, you know. You know I, I've dealt with this personally, and, and you know that. And it is, when you first hear that news, my reaction when I found out that my brother had been killed in a car accident was exactly the reaction that Buffy had. I was stunned. Stunned beyond words. And then it turned into the reaction that Willow had, and, and I couldn't even talk on the phone. I had to hand it over to the person I was with because I couldn't concentrate. I could. I'll, that's all you think about. It's a major state of shock. It's unbelievable. They did it very well and kept it true to to form to how it would be if if that were the news that you got in real life. Yeah, and I mean that you you can hand it to the entire team that worked on this show to, to do that, but especially our writer and director again here. They just it's just a good pairing and a good team up. They did a good job. We we have we've sort of mentioned them aside here a bit, Brian. We we don't get a lot of Cordy in this one. We don't get a ton of Spike and Drew, but I do think we get something with Spike and Drusilla and Angelus that is important. Something we need to pay attention to. We get a very very important thing here, I think, to the whole situation between. Spike Drew and Angelus. And that is that Spike does not trust Angel, even though he's proven that he's back to his normal self. He still doesn't trust him. And, you know, Angel plays on that. He tries to get under Spike's skin over and over and over again. And Drew really kind of plays into it as well. She likes the attention from both boys. You know, Spike is her guy, but she'll take any attention the angel's going to give. And you get some really good stuff in this episode from Spike. You know, uh, he, he's really laying into Angel. Uh, the best line that he has is, well, actually, the second best line that he has is, If you ask me, I find myself preferring the old Buffy whipped Angelus. This new improved one is not playing with the full sack. And I like that line. I think that's one of the best lines in the in, in his tenure so far. It, it is good, and you you called it out. It's the second best line. The best one is at the end when Angelus and Giles are, are going at it, and Giles is beating him with the stick that's on fire, and <laughs> Drew's running over there, and he says, no fair going into the ring unless he tags you first. And I mean, ah, it, yes. you know, as wrestling fans, you and I, of course, really laugh at it, but it's it's still a good line. And well, like yeah. I say, don't get a ton of them, but it, it's important to know that Spike does not trust Angelus, and Angelus does not trust Spike at all. No matter Absolutely. what else they're in cahoots with, they do not trust one another. That is important, boys and girls. That's very, very important, especially as we get to the crux of the uh, season in season two. That's be- that becomes very important. And as far as Drusilla goes, you know, she's not there to do a whole lot other than you know further the whole Spike Angel feud. But she does have one very important piece that happens here, and that is as they're doing the whole Angel trying to piss off Spike thing. Uh, Drusilla has a prophecy or a vision. And they ask her what it's about, and she says, somebody is working to destroy our happy home, which, of course, is a mention to uh, Jenny Callender working to restore Angel's soul. And it's a very important piece. Yeah, it's the, it's the reason Angelus is able to go 
to the school and well let's talk about angelus here because you know this is uh, this episode i think uh aside from the jenny and giles getting back together and jenny dying part this is a lot of this is about angelus's character and how sadistic this guy is and what means he goes to before he as he plays with his prey before he kills his prey brian uh, up to this point all we've been told is stories about angelus but we haven't seen him really do anything yet it's just a lot of talk and a lot of legend well now the legend hits the stage and it it's it's as bad or worse and it it starts from the beginning beat when he's watching he's doing that voiceover and he's you can tell he's following buffy and he just sits right there beside her while she's asleep and watches her Mm. and then draws that picture of her and of course that leads you know everything else that comes down the line but i that whole bit i mean he really starts doing things in this one and i like that i i hate it when you get these shows that have villains that talk about how bad a they are and they never do anything yeah. well he goes to extremes to show you how bad he is and i mean he, he kills an innocent character yeah i mean he does a lot in here he you mentioned he's he's watching buffy sleep drawing a picture of her sleeping he takes willow's fish and spears them all on a Ooh, wire yeah. and Ooh. leaves them for her in an envelope and he also leaves a picture of joyce sleeping for Buffy at Willow's house too. And that's when they realize they need to revoke that invitation because Angel's going for Joyce. And had they not been able to get that done in time, I have a feeling Angel probably would have killed Joyce in this episode. Oh, I think so too, because it, Buffy even calls it out. You know, that he told me once when he was, you know, attacking Drusilla, what the first thing he did was kill her family. Yeah. So Buffy knows I can't be around mom all the time, but that's the immediate concern. We got to get that thing revoked. And you're right. I think you would have too, Brian. I, I really do. And Jealous is, a, you're learning other things about the character here though, too. And I know this is little nitpicky stuff, but I think it's important. He can draw pretty well he's got <laughs> a lot of artistic flair to him and i think that's important because it sets up everything he does angelus doesn't do anything just for the sake of doing evil like spike would just walk in and kill you right yeah. and, you know he may talk a little bit but he's pretty much just going to be there to kill you luke from season one was just a brute force right mm. and he was there to kill you the master though remember him he was prophetic and he did all this talking and prophecy and script, pseudo scripture before he tried to take you out and ultimately that was his undoing he was talking too much and buffy kicked his butt yeah. and jealous does everything with an artistic flair it's it's grandiose. It's large. It's on a stage. And I think that's important to note because it means he has vulnerable points if you can see beyond the bravado. Yeah, he's trying to create an artistic masterpiece, basically. He made one with Drusilla. You know, that was his masterpiece to date. Now he wants to one-up it and do it with Buffy. And that's why you see all this. And I love the, I love it too that they bring in his artistic side in the drawings and all that because it shows that he, this is an art for him, what he's doing to Buffy. And the finale for the art is Buffy dead at his hands. You know, it's, it's a fantastically done character. And I mean, you know, you see this guy getting off on everything he does, you know, at the end of the show or at when they find out that Jenny is dead, you see what Angel sitting outside, staring through the window, watching their reactions as they find out that Jenny died and laughing. Yeah, I mean, he, he wants to see that he's got to see the reaction. You know, yep. it's that whole, uh, I remember that from, uh, the, the 
uh, original Hannibal Lecter story, Red Dragon or whatever, is that they, they talk about the one way they catch the killer is they know he hung out around the house to watch them all the time. And he was always yeah. watching the crime scene and they found evidence that way. You know, the, the evil always wants to see the reaction. The true pure evil always wants to see the reaction of those that he's enacted that evil upon. Yeah. I mean, for Angelus, that's what he gets off on. That's what he likes. So it's, ah, it's so sadistic. Yeah, it's great. And David Boreanaz, but you know, we've praised every other actor. We might as well get around to him. David Boreanaz is a bad guy. Is oh, he is so delightful. I mean, it's so good. But it, this is the point when you know, and I'm watching this show. I just picked it up a few episodes before. Remember when I'm first watching the show come through? But I know who he is because all my Buffy fan friends are telling me who this guy is and how important he is. And then you see him turn bad. And at that point, up to that point, I thought, well, they're, they're going to come up with some magic wand way and boom, he'll be good. And then they'll have some other thing. They have to fight Spike and Drusilla. Mm-hmm. It was at this point that I was like, you know, I want him dead now. Yeah, well, they, yeah. They had, they had to do something to make us all want him dead. It's the only way that Buffy could go and kill him ultimately. Yeah. And, and this was the perfect way because like, I mean, now we said this over and over again, you know, Jenny and Giles on the mend and he goes in and snaps it right away from you. This is something the fans wanted. They wanted to see Jenny and Giles get back together. And now they were all excited. It's happening. And then boom, Angel goes and takes that away. And yeah, that, that turned probably everybody against Angel after that happened. And rightfully so. Yeah, and, and Jaws even talks about they had a lot of discussion about should you kill her in normal face or vamp face, and they had him do it in the vamp face just because they thought if we have David do that in David face, they'll never, no one will ever allow us to let him get near Buffy in a passionate way again. Right. You know, it, it has to be Angelus. And I think that was a smart move. That was a, that was the right call. Yeah. You had to do it that way. I, I agree with them wholeheartedly on that decision. You, you do it a, a, in a normal face and it's just like angels killing her, not Angelus. You know, people associate Angelus with the vamp face. You know, that, that's how yeah. you associate them. Um, yeah. So you had to do it that way. Otherwise, it just didn't seem like it was in jealousy. You thought it could be Angel. No, that's the and that's the demon side of it. Yep. Well, Brian, you know, we, we really talked about the, the episode a lot and the characters here. The the big point of all of this is, is really getting Buffy to the point she realized what has to be. Or she realizes what has to be done. She has to kill Angel. Yeah. That is the main thing that this is going to accomplish, because at the beginning, she's not sure at the end. She's darn sure. She knows what she's going to do. And the next opportunity she gets, Angelus is going to die. And uh, that's huge for this episode. That's the major accomplishment that this happens. The accomplishment it sets for the series as a whole, though, is even bigger. It tells the audience that any of the characters, no matter how big or how small, can die at any given time. And you need to be aware yeah. of that. We could take one away. And that's bold too. We talked about that back in, back in season one, where they talked about Jesse was, you know, Eric Balfour was supposed to be, they were going to set him up as if he was a big character and then kill him off early. And that always rings false is because one, he's not in the credit sequence because he didn't have money to do it. And two, they never talk about Jesse again ever. Right. They're going to talk about Jenny Calendar from here to the end. Yeah. That's important. And I, that's exactly right. That's what you take from this is that any of the main characters can die at any time. And when we tell you someone is evil, they are evil. right, and that's exactly what we've got. Well, Brian, we're at the point of the episode when we give our final thoughts and ratings. What is your dustings rating for episode seventeen, Passion? Well, it should come as no surprise since I basically stated this is the best episode to date that they have done on the the Buffy series, and it is. It's just a fantastic episode. It really pulls at your emotions 
throughout the episode, you go from being, you know, happy to being just crushed and destroyed and to being angry. You know, you get all those emotions, the whole spectrum in this one. And that's, that's a sign of a great episode, a great writing and really great execution. Uh, on all sides, from the actors to the people behind the scenes, the cameramen, the directors, the producers, everyone put into this. And this is by far, up to now, my favorite episode of the series, easily of Four Dustings. I agree with you. Easily of Four Dustings, a perfect episode. There's nothing in this I would change. There's nothing at all to quip about at all. Even some of the other ones I've given forwards to, there's there's little things, you know, a tweet, nitpick. Not this one. This one's perfect. This is a perfect episode, perfectly balanced emotionally and and well-constructed. We've said it a hundred times in this, folks. This is a great, great episode. And I'll tell you this, too. For the Buffy world as it is, it may be, and you'll have to hold me to this, Brian, as we go through this fuller retrospective, it may be the most dastardly thing any of the big bads ever does. I'm I'm almost sure that the Jenny Calendar murder is the the worst thing any of them ever do directly to Buffy. We'll have to visit that as we go through this, but I've, that that has always stuck with me and is very very important. And it's another one of the reasons that I fell in love with the show and still love it to this day. Yeah. Folks, we thank you for joining us for episode 17 here in our season two retrospective of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You can check out uh, more entries into this series in our archive section on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash Buffy. And Brian, people can also interact with us and send us mail. Yeah, we set up a email address that you can send comments or questions to us. It's mailbag at continuousplaypodcast.com. You can easily find us there. You can also reach us on Twitter, and we'll answer your questions there as well. Twitter.com slash The Art of Slaying. Absolutely, and you can find us on Facebook. Look for Continuous Play Podcast there. Give us a like if you want to. You can interact with us there. Numbers away, you can get in touch with us. We're glad you're along for the ride, folks, and hang in there because we, you know, Brian's talking about we're at the crux of season two. We are there. We are in, we're in the home stretch now, and it is going to be a fun, fun ride. We'll see you next time. For Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to The Art of Slay. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Grr, arg. <laughs>